I have to tell you, I chuckle sometimes about the pastors who think that their sermon's the highlight of the service. I'm just here to tell you, it's downhill after that. So that was great. Timothy, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I want you, if you can, because I know some of you can, some of you can't. Can you remember 30 years ago? Isn't it sad that our youth minister can't remember 30 years ago? I just want you all to know that. But all, all Kevin remembers about 30 years ago is real dark, right? Kevin, that's all you know about 30 years ago. That was it. You think back 30, I know, I know some of you can't because uh, I know we have a lot of people in here who haven't made it to that age yet. And even if you have, there's just parts of it you can't really remember. But think back, if you will, if you're more than 30, about as far as you can. And, and do your best, if you would, just to think about how you would sum it up. <laughs> how long do you think it would, would take you to, to kind of sum that up or to tie that together or to write about all those experiences? I'm sure if you're like me, It'd be one of those things that you would think, oh, I remember that time. Oh, I remember this time. And maybe you'd get to writing something and you would think something. And and maybe some of the stories would be really long and some of the stories would be really short. Some of them you'd tell a lot. Some of them you'd like to forget, right? And you would kind of just walk through this journey. Well, the reason I say that this morning is I want to just remind everybody as we look at the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 today. The book of Acts covers a span of about 30 years from the time after Jesus Christ was uh, crucified and resurrected, and then he told the disciples that they were going to be his witnesses to the, to the early parts of the church. We, we cover a, a, a span of about 30 years, and in that 30 years, sometimes we see these grand stories of, of great things that are happening, and then every once in a while, we come, to, we come to spots in it that seem to fast forward through some stuff, or you seem to sum up these huge events in just a sentence or two, and you think, well, isn't there more to it than that? Can I ask you something? If you were trying to sum up some things that were happening or have happened in your life over the past few years, and you were to share that in a few sentences or maybe even a few paragraphs or even, a, you know, 30 minutes with somebody, don't you think they would, get to be to, they would get to be a point where you'd go, isn't there more to it than that? And your answer would be, yeah, there's a lot more to it because I lived it and I experienced it. But Today, the reason I say that is because there's a part in here that it seems to be, okay, we're, we're kind of skipping from this one story and we're hitting a few things and we're running over to this other story. But I think it's very important that we look at what's going on here at this point in time because it's actually three things. So good news, I'm going to preach three sermons today. Thank you for both of you. Uh, better news, they're all very short. How about that? We're going to look at this. So I don't want you to miss, because the first thing we see is in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. This happens right after this grand story that we had last week of this person named Saul who was on his way to Damascus, and he was on the road with permission to, to kill Christians, to persecute them, to, to take them out of the synagogue and to throw them into jail and to just wreak havoc on them, and that Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and dramatically changed his life. And then Saul changes and becomes one of the great players at the end of the book of Acts that we see is spreading the gospel all throughout this region. And we have that story, and we're heading to the story of a person named Cornelius, which whether you know it or not, we're all very thankful for because Cornelius is a person who we get to know in just a week or two, who is the beginning of the gospel moving out to the Gentiles. But between that, we kind of have these three little stories in here. And the first one is this. It's Acts 9.31. It says, after this happened with Saul, it says, So the church 
throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. We just have that one little sentence saying, okay, all these things were happening. We, we get this story at the first part of the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit pours out on the believers and they start sharing the gospel and it causes some trouble with the religious leaders and they go back and forth and back and forth with the religious leaders continuing to throw them in jail or tell them to stop speaking in the name of Christ. We fast forward it up to this person named Stephen who's being persecuted to the point that he gets martyred, he gets killed. And after Stephen's persecution, then the people of the church start spreading out and, and Saul's on his way to go follow them wherever they are to squash this thing that's going on. But it says after Jesus meets Saul that we have this moment in time that the church has peace. And so when you think back, as far as you can think back and you look at, if you will, just kind of the journey on your, of your life, can I ask you a question? Does it go like this or does it go like this <laughs> or does it go like this? Does anybody else feel like that? I mean, it just seems like that there are times when life just takes us in a lot of places that, that we don't want to go, that things happen at times in our life that we didn't want to happen, but yet for some reason we all continue to move forward. We all continue to, to do the best that we can with what we've been given and we, we want to continue to move forward. But I'm so thankful that when I look back, on my life, I see that there are times of great stress, there, there's times of great sorrow, there's times of tragedy, but there's also times of great joy, of, of, of just great connection with people, of great relationships. And I just see this as there are times that I look back on that I'm so thankful for that God gives me a season of peace somewhere in the middle of my life. Aren't you thankful for those seasons of peace? Anybody need a season of peace in their life? Amen. And that's just that's where we are. And, and I believe that God gives us those seasons of peace for a reason. We actually see it right here in the scripture. It says the church throughout all G Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And during that time of peace, they were strengthened, living in fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. You see, peace didn't mean that they just stopped. Peace didn't mean that they got to go on vacation for a little while. Peace just meant that there was no there was no animosity. There was no persecution that, the, that God was just doing something in their life. He was preparing them for something that was, that was next. And there's a very interesting part of this story is if you go all the way back to the first chapter of Acts. When Jesus is speaking to this small group of about 120 disciples on the, on the side of a hill before he ascends into heaven, he looks at these disciples and he says these words in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, we saw that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and this group of 120 people got filled with the Spirit, and they began to go and do incredible things, things that they had never done before, things that they had never thought about doing before. And God was using them and doing things through him, through these people, to accomplish things that had never been done before. That was a true word of God. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you in power. That came true. And he said, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Well, that's where it started. It all started. The Pentecost came at Jerusalem. And everything that we saw happening in the book of Acts in the church up to about Acts chapter 6 or 7 was happening right there in Jerusalem, right there in their own hometown. And then it says that the Lord said, you'll be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Well, guess what? We're at that point in the book of Acts where we're about to go to Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Last week we talked about 
a man named Philip, or a couple weeks ago we talked about a man named Philip, and how when, when the church was persecuted and Stephen was martyred, where did he go? He went to Samaria. He said that he preached in Samaria and that God did some incredible things and the word of God began to grow in Samaria. So we literally see one of the things that Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, wants you to see more than anything else is that God is true to his word. God said to the disciples that you're going to be my witnesses and we only get a few chapters into the book to where this begins to be fulfilled. And as they're going, God is watching over them. And it hasn't been an easy road to get here, but on this journey that you've been through that's been crazy and up and down, right now, we're giving you a season of peace. And in this season of peace, it's a time for you to be strengthened. It's a time for you to be healed. It's a time for you to grow in relationships. And it's a time for you to continue to add to the number of disciples because God continues to work in and through them. So there, the, the first sermon is almost done and it ends like this. We need to learn something from this and it's, it's, it's this. Enjoy the seasons of peace. Amen? Enjoy the seasons of peace. Because if you've lived more than three years on this planet, you know they don't last as long as we want them to. But God does give them to us. And when he gives us those seasons of peace, it's in his graciousness and his love that he's wanting to do something during that time. It's not that we get to take the time off and just enjoy vacation. It's that God wants to give us that time to strengthen us and prepare us and ready us for where he's leading us next. Because what we see is the whole book of Acts comes right back to 1.8. You will be my witnesses. This is what God has called us to do. We're, as followers of Christ, to be God's witnesses. That's the whole thing. He says that you're going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to work through you. You're going to have my power partnered with your spiritual disciplines, and we're going to walk through this, and as I work through you, you're going to be my witnesses. And God says, you're going to be my witnesses in your hometown and the surrounding areas and all over this planet. What he says was true for the disciples then is true for followers of Christ now is that we're called to be his witnesses. And as we're his witnesses, there are times that it is time of hard work. It's times where, where we have to go through some things maybe that we didn't want to go through or stuff that we don't understand. But we need to know that God will also at times give us seasons of peace to prepare us for what is next. Now we've already heard about Windshape Camp this week. And I can guarantee you that every volunteer was thankful for Saturday. Because let me tell you what every volunteer did on Saturday after a full week of wind shape. Nothing. That's what we did on Saturday. It was a small season of peace for those of us who got a little bit of a window maybe off or something like that. But you need that at times after this intense work, after stuff that's extraordinary and you're pouring yourself into it. Sometimes you just need a little breather. But that breather is not for anything else other than to prepare you for what God is doing next. And this is what we see happening in the church at this time. So I would just tell you, as you look back over time, enjoy the seasons of peace, but know that God brings you to those points in time to prepare you for what is coming next. Have you ever thought about what's coming next? What's God preparing for you? What's God doing in you? As you strive as a follower of Christ, for those of you in here who have given your life to Christ and you're saying, I want to follow him, let me tell you something. God is wanting to use you to be his witness. God is wanting his power to work through you and for you to be able to do incredible things. And you may be thinking, well, Lindell, I... I don't see how I can do incredible things. I don't understand how this works. Well, that's Sermon 3, but we're about to start Sermon 2. How about that? Let's look at that. Sermon 2. 
Acts 9, 32, this is what it says. It says, as Peter was traveling from place to place. Now, I love that because you can't miss that. Because what Luke is trying to describe here is simply this. As Peter was going about his normal everyday business, Peter's job was, I'm going here to see what's going on in the church. I'm going over here to encourage the church. I'm going over here to make sure what's happening. And so Luke was not trying to give us the detail as he does later with Paul's journey, saying Paul went here and then Paul went there and then Paul went there. He's just saying, hey, as Peter's going about his business, as he's traveling from place to place. It says he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. Now, look at what verse 35 says. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Saw who? Not Peter. Saw Aeneas. All who saw Aeneas went, Aeneas, what happened to you? Well, I was, I was healed. This man named Peter said, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And so God, what begins to happen in this area is it says right there, all who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they began to turn to the Lord. Now, catch this, okay? Peter is going about his everyday business. And we know from what we've seen so far in the book of Acts, those of you who've been with us, that Peter's kind of an important dude. He's a pretty important guy. He's, he's head of the church. He's the leader that everybody's looking at. Right now, Peter's got a lot of things on his plate. Peter's got so many things going on. It's pretty, it's pretty understandable if Peter's not really looking around and seeing things that are going on in other people. I mean, I'm on, I'm on a mission, right? But what this, what this simple little story tells us is that as Peter was traveling place to place, he still didn't miss the opportunity to look around and see what he could do that would be good for someone else. What he could do to speak into the lives of others. What he could do to help those that are around him. And so this simple act, now I know you're saying, well, hold on, Pastor, you said simple act and he healed the man. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. But it truly was by this point in time, can I just ask you, after you've read the Gospels and the book of Acts up to this point in time, how many healings have we seen? I, I'm not saying that none of them are miraculous. They're all miraculous. But at this point in time, it becomes one of those things where you go, oh, it's another healing. And I promise you, that you've probably been reading scripture and, under, and didn't even think about it. You go, okay, heal the guy and move on to the next. And we kind of get into that habit of going, well, it's just every day that somebody gets healed. It's just every day that this type of stuff happens. Can I tell you, we talked about this a few weeks ago. When God moves in somebody's life and makes a change, it never gets old. It never gets old. If it gets routine to us or if it gets something that we just kind of pass over, then we're missing the miracle that's happening. But Peter... As he had the spirit in him, and as he looked at this person, said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And because he just did this simple act of good, something that was probably just as he's traveling place to place, I would say at this point in time, when, when you've done something and it happens the first time and you kind of go, I can't believe that happened. But then when it becomes part of your routine and you just go, this is how it happens, this is how we live, it may, it may lose some of its luster for you, but it really means something to the people that it's happening for, and this is what's happening. Peter's doing something, just going about his daily business. And as we've seen him do multiple times before, he looks at someone and says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And for Peter, at this point in time, it was probably just, that's what you do. That's how you live. That's, that's how we go about our business. But for what did it cause? 
It says that in this area where the gospel had not been yet, where, where nobody had really heard about this, things were spreading out. And because Peter simply did this one act of good, now this whole area begins to come to Christ. Can I just tell you something? You have no earthly idea what God could possibly do with just a simple act of goodness given to somebody else if you're looking for the opportunity to do that. And so the second sermon's point is really this. Make doing good an everyday goal. You need to make doing good an everyday goal. Now, you need to make it a goal because of this. Here's what we naturally and habitually do. We get going with our life, and we get things that are happening in our life, and we get going through these seasons, right? And sometimes seasons get hard, and sometimes we have seasons of peace, but it's just up and down. And we have a natural tendency to just start taking care of self and just start saying, well, I've got things on my plate, or I've got this appointment, or I've got this stuff I need to do, or I've even, we may even keep it in this small circle. I've got to take care of my kids, or I've got to take care of my family. And sometimes it's just the simple act of just look up and look around and say, is there, is there something I can do just to be a blessing to somebody today? Is there something I can do just to, just to do something good for somebody else? And honestly, that's what Peter did here. We don't want to overblow it, but we don't want to undersell it at the same time, is that Peter was just going place to place, and he saw the opportunity to do good for someone, and he did it. But here's what you got to understand. He had to at least be looking for it, right? Because how many times do we have the opportunity to do good, but we don't even know we had the opportunity because we're not looking for it? And that's, that's the important thing here. Make doing good an everyday goal. And God can do incredible things with you. Because when we read the book of Acts, I think sometimes we get inspired and sometimes we get discouraged. We get inspired to say, I want to do great things for God. But we get discouraged going, but I'm not Peter. I can't really do these things. But what we need to understand is that if we'll just begin to do the simple little things, then over time, great things begin to happen. Remember Luke's telling a story that happened over 30 years. He's catching this, he's catching that, and he's giving us this picture. And so then I want to show you what I'm talking about as we go to sermon number 3. In verse 36 it says this. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, which is the worst translated name ever. I just want you to know. Let's acknowledge it so all the kids can chuckle that her name was Dorcas. Okay. She was always doing good. And acts of charity. About the time she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men who urged him, don't delay in coming with us. Peter got up and went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all the widows, all the widows approached him. They were weeping and showing him the robes and the clothes that Dorcas had made them while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body, said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her stand up. He called the saints and widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. Now, I just want to give you a little, this is a, this is a sliver of a side note of a subpoint of a thing that's really interesting. Okay? God, at this point in time, is beginning, like I said, to move beyond Jerusalem out to the ends of the earth. He's stirring something in the lives of the people who've been following him. 
And there's a little thing in here that if you didn't know, you didn't know. Is that it says that Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. What does a leather tanner do? He works with dead animals. What do Jews not want to be around? Dead animals. And so you can begin to see that as the gospel begins to spread, that there's actually something happening in Peter's heart here, that he's willing to stay in the home of someone who does something that's detestable because he sees that God is beginning to do something bigger than just what he knew or what he believed. Amen. Don't we want God to do that in our life as well? I don't care how long you've walked with Christ. I don't care how much you know about him. If we lose that desire for God to want to do bigger than what we can understand, then we are limiting God to our scope, and he'll never move beyond what we can possibly do or imagine, and we'll never see him do the miracles that he's willing to do if we'll just move out of the way at times. Now, that was free, okay? So that was bonus sermon 3A. We'll talk at that. But I want us to look here. When we see this story, obviously one of the things that we focus on the most is this miracle that Peter did of raising a dead person back to life. And as well, we should go, that is an incredible miracle of God. But we see the purpose for this, that when this happened, that all the people around Joppa saw that this had happened and what happened with them. They began to see the power and the work of God through someone who was just going around place to place trying to do the good works of God. And in that, all the people begin to come to know God. But I don't want you to miss Tabitha. Because this is what I think should be inspiring to each and every one of us. When you look closely at the things that are said about her, the first thing that you see in verse 36 is that she was always doing good works and acts of charity. I guarantee that right now you can stop and think of someone in your life that you would say, I I can say that about them. I look at this person and they're an inspiration because it seems like, man, they're always doing good things. They're always giving something of themselves. They're always trying to do things for other people. And I also would guarantee you that it inspires us to say, I want to be that type of a person. I want to be that type of person that when people think about me, they think, that's a good guy. He's always trying to help people out. He's doing what he what he can. And so it's amazing and it's inspiring to say that there was a disciple named Tabitha and she was always doing good works. But what was it that she was doing? When you look closer at the story, this is what I think is amazing. The impact that this lady had and all the people who were just amazed by her and and she was so dear to them. That when she passed away and they heard that Peter was around, that they sent people to go get her. I mean, she had to be doing something just of major, utmost importance, right? When you read the story, you see what she did. She made robes and clothes for everybody. And they would all come and say, look what she did for me. Look what she made for me. This was it. This was what she did. She She just lived in such a way where if she saw a need of someone that she could meet with what she could do, she did it. If somebody needed something sewn, she sewed it. If somebody needed a piece of clothing, she'd make it for them. She would do that. That's what she did. Now let that sink in. We see that Peter's raising people from the dead, and we go, wow. But what we miss in this story was that all the people were endeared to this person who sewed. That's what she did. And she just did it good. And she did it with love, and she did it consistently, and she did it every day, and she did it in such a way that it impacted hundreds of people around. And she was near and dear because she did what she could do to serve the Lord wherever she was and whatever she was doing. 
That's what I love about this part of the book of Acts. We move away from these grand stories of going and 3,000 were added to the church that day and 10,000 were growing in there. And we see that and a lady sowed some things and people came to the Lord. And I just go, what, huh? Hold on a minute. You know, we have these sermons that are going over here and then you have a lady sowing things and people are coming. Yes, a lady was just sowing things and people came to the Lord. She became near and dear because she did every day just what she could do with the talents and the gifts and the abilities that God has given her. And over a period of years of consistent plotting, following, and serving people, she became a miracle maker. She was the reason that people in a whole region came to know the Lord just because she did what she could do. That should inspire each and every one of us in this place to get to working on doing the things that God has given us the gifts and the talents to do. And it should, inspire, it should inspire us to simply do this, live a life of service. Live a life of service. If you want to live a life of service, there's a simple motto that you can adopt to help you remember how to live a life of service. It's this, see the need, meet the need. If you see a need and you possibly have the giftedness or the resources or whatever you can do to meet that need, then if you can meet it, you just meet the need. And that's living a life of service. And that's the picture that we see in all these stories. That Peter was just going around and as he saw a need, he met a need. Now, Peter happened to be the person who could raise people from the dead and heal paralytics. That's awesome. But it goes all the same to that there was this lady named Tabitha that what she could do is she could sow things. And because God used all of them together, people were coming to know the Lord. So don't dismiss your giftedness in such a way where you think, well, all I can do is this. And we're just going to leave the, the God things up to the professional. That's not how this works. God wants to use you. And at the same time, don't get so arrogant that you go, well, I'm all that. I can do some great things for God, that you miss out on realizing that it's because of the multitude of people who God has brought together in his body that it begins to just grow and go out and be a light. There is a place for you. Everybody go like this. All right, you're all qualified to do something for the Lord because you can do that, okay? As long as you can do that on this earth, you are qualified to do things for the Lord. And that's the inspiration that we should get from this. I, I love that it's right here because it seems that, like I say, we just kind of fast forward. And sometimes we skip over this idea that, well, there was this man named Saul and this miraculous conversion that he had. And then we're going to start talking next week about Cornelius and just the importance of that. But there's just some things here in the middle that Luke takes the time to tell us. And all he wants to say is this. You have a place in the kingdom of God. You have a purpose and you have a reason to be doing things. And wherever God is sending you, whatever you're doing, if you will just simply look for the way that you can live out your faith to those around you, you never know what God may do through just a simple act of service and loving on someone else. Amen.